And so the challenge is to exercise the choice that God has given us to choose. That's what that song was declaring. The choice is ours. It was a choice, remember, to yield our bodies, what our tongues, our eyes, our hands, our feet, as God's instruments of righteousness. That was the homework, which is really, which is what is a Christian. It is the Christian life. And that leads me this morning to the question. Paul opens this next passage with a question, but that leads me to the question that I have you for you this morning. Let me ask you this, and I want you to go with the immediate, with this, when this question comes, go with your immediate connotations to the question. The question is, what is a slave? You know, what is a slave? What floods into your thinking when that question comes? What is a slave? Where does your mind go? Some of us, our minds goes back to the images of ancient Rome, doesn't it? Or, 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 before, or even before that, Egyptian slavery. Or even we go back um, to just more recent history when we consider the slavery of that transatlantic slavery that happened between uh, Western Africa and the Americas and the Caribbean and that very ugly part. Of, of, of human history. I mean, some of you younger people might be even thinking about some of the, the media that we get, the news press that we get, and we sadly sometimes hear about sex trafficking, don't we? Where both adults and tragically children uh, are coerced and enslaved into horrible, horrible lives, and, and, uh, and it's just, you don't even like to think about it, do you? Then there's certainly, in a similar vein, the slavery of forced labor again both adults and children forced into servitude in those areas but when we use that word slavery or we think of that question you know we think of a person or we think of a peoples that are existing under brutality oppression and again that enforced servitude that says to people you have no rights doesn't it it says you have no freedom. It says you have no dignity. You know what it says? It says you belong to me. Do all those sort of things come? Did I hit all the nails on the head for you? Did I miss anybody's? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Simply it's abhorrent, isn't it? That word. It's an abhorrent thought to us. And most of us, you know, um, it's such an alien concept for us. Far removed from our happy lives, right? Um, or either it's from a past age or it's from another world. You know, most often we'll associate it with third world situations and things like that. Because here in Australia, you know, with our, with our Western political and legal institutions, you know, we comfort ourselves in believing that that's not a part of our life here. You know, slavery has no place here. And true, it's true, the selling of individuals is not a part of our culture. But, you know, here's, here's, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that it's enslavement is a part of every person's life. Every person's life. Every person in existence. In fact, guess what? You are sitting next to a slave right now. Well, you... <laughs> Right now. What do you think about that? Every person is a slave is what I'm saying. You know, Yes, you are sitting next to a slave right now and the person sitting next to you is sitting next to a slave right now. Just take a look. Go if you dare, have a look at that person. 
Okay, you don't see any physical shackles, do you? You don't see any leg irons. You don't see any, any physical scars upon their body that we so often associate with ancient forms or even yeah, with, with slavery. But that person sitting next to you, that man that is standing in front of you talking to this person, talking to you right now, is a bona fide slave. Every one of us. How do I know that? Romans 6 tells me so. That's why. You know. What says, Jesus loves me. We know it, right? Yes, we launch straight into it. Some of you brave people. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Yeah. Well, you're in slavery right now. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. I love that one so much, do you? Doesn't sort of, doesn't, it doesn't resonate, it doesn't jingle the way we want it to, to jingle. Well, you're in slavery, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, before you get upset, let's, let's explore this together. So first, the identifying, or should I say the typical feature of someone that is enslaved is that they are living in acts of obedience, aren't they? A slave obediently or obeys the demands of someone or something. Um, let's be honest here. Let's be honest. Some people are enslaved to their work, right? Don't they? Either willingly, unwillingly. They live their lives um, they live their lives in slavish obedience to the dictates of their jobs. Um, others are slaves to things or slaves to possessions. Their life is controlled by what they have or by the pursuit and the dreams of the things they don't have but what they do want, right? Still others are slaves to habits that dominate their lives, the bad temper is a bad tempered person so often is a slave to their explosive emotions. The, the, the sensual person so often slaves to their own bodies or the bodies of other people. The selfish person, who are they a slave to? Themselves, right? You know? I, I know. I know. I probably didn't need to do that, but no one here needs convincing that these things are true. These are obvious truths, and that is what the Scripture is doing in Romans chapter 6. It's declaring the obvious truth that we are obedient to a master. Every single one of us, we are obedient to the things he says that we are enslaved, that enslave us. And that's why. So let's read. We're at verse 16 this morning. Read it with me, if you will. It says this. It says, do you not know? Paul starts with this question. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? All of humanity serves under one of two masters. Either it is, as we just rest, read, sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. See, the Bible offers no middle ground here. It simply doesn't. Every one of us, everyone who has ever lived has been subject to the first form of slavery mentioned there, right? 
Jesus made that so clear in many places. He made it so very clear when he was talking to the religious leaders there in John chapter 8. It's about verse 34. You can read it where Jesus simply said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is a slave to of sin. And, and that applies to every single one of us. Every single one of us. For all have sinned, the Bible tells us, and fallen short of the, glories, the glory of God. All have been a slave to sin. Now, you suggest that, and we can say that in the sanctity of our, of our Christian fellowship here, can't we? But you go out there and you say that to the average citizen out there living in the world. I'm quite sure that you will get a response and you'll get a response with gusto that defends what they refer to their freedom to do whatever they want, to live however they want to live, right? You've probably got family members like that, people that you work with, people that you care about are probably like that. But I love what C.S. Lewis said. He wrote um, a, a sort of an autobiographical account of his early life. It was called, uh, it was called um, Surprised by Joy, The Shape of My Early Life. It's a good read. You know. um, he said this. He, he expressed this in his own life when he described this so-called freedom. He described how before he was a Christian uh, uh, by saying he lived with a mad wish not to be interfered with. I love, I love the way he uses language. A mad wish not to be interfered with. You know what he was saying? Nobody tells me how to live my life. I'm going to do it my way. Which he said was fine in his writings. Which he said was fine until he seriously tried to live by this ideal. Then he discovered something. He describes it, in fact. He saw within himself what he describes as a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. Don't you love the way he uses the language? His discovery was this, that he could not escape his lusts. He couldn't escape his fears. He couldn't escape his hatreds. He could not escape them because they are the very things that enslave people. You know, no matter how someone presents the idea of total freedom, and everybody's tried, haven't they, throughout human history? There's been all these movements, there's been all these groups, there's been all these individuals, you know, total freedom. The reality of the human condition always remains the same, and that is all of humanity serves somebody. Somebody. Now, there's a song that I used to love, and I, I, I like it, because it, 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 it gives the message. You know, I don't know where Dylan is now, but in, he, had a, he had a very strong experience in Christ. Where he is in his life now, I don't know. But he said these words. He said, you're going to serve somebody. Yeah. Who remembers it? You've got to serve someone. He said, you may be an ambassador to England or to France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And he goes on. You may be a preacher. 
With your spiritual pride, you may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You might like to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress. You might be somebody's heir. But you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. I like the last verse. Here he goes, you might call me Terry, you might call me Timmy, you may call me Bobby, you may call me Zimmy, you may call me RJ, you may call me Ray, you can call me anything, no matter what you say, you're going to have to serve somebody. And it doesn't matter what they say, it doesn't matter what we say, we're going to serve somebody. The absolute freedom to rule oneself is absolute fallacy. Many pursue it, don't they? You know? But like Lewis, they can't escape their sin and its slavery. Paul tells us, and we've read it there, I think we've read it, didn't we, in verse 16? Paul tells us there that the end of such pursuits, which is sin, will always lead to death. Kent Hughes, a Bible commentator, describes this as being akin to jumping from the top of a high-rise building. Are any of you like me? You, get to the, you go to these hotels, you stay in these really high-rise high buildings and you stand on the balcony. Donna won't let me do it. but you, She can't stop me, but she doesn't like me doing it. You stand on these high-rise balconies and there's just something in you that says, go on, do it. <laughs> you know? No? Am I the only one? Oh, I'm not the only one, am I? No. I mean, one night we stayed in this hotel and the bed, uh, the bed was probably one step from the door of the balcony. And we're about 42 stories up, you know. And I went to bed that night and I'd stood on the balcony and I had this thing, oh, fly, you know. Just felt so good. And I, and I went to bed and I, and I lay down on my bed and it was still there. So I got up and I got a chair and I put it in front of the sliding door in case... You don't know what you do when you sleep, do you? You know? But this is what he does. He uses that analogy of jumping from the top story of a high building. Those first few floors, as you are, as you are coming down, it's exhilarating. You know, no restrictions and no hang-ups. You know, the breeze is in your hair. It's just jump flying. You're free. But, you know, you, you get to about 10 stories from the ground. And all of that freedom, all of that liberty, all of that breeze blowing your hair back is suddenly overtaken by the realisation that a sudden stop is awaiting you. And, it can, and can you stop it? No. Now the definition of freedom to sin, Paul gives here, is inevitably death. The dynamic is simple that the scripture gives us. Sin separates us from God. Separation from God is separation from life eternal, right? So Paul declares that we will be a slave to sin or we will be a slave to Jesus Christ, in which verse 16 says, leads unto righteousness. And of course, righteousness simply means a right living with God. And that leads unto what? Eternal life. Because you're connected to the eternal God. So we present ourselves as slaves to obedience, to obedience to Jesus Christ. Have you ever watched a competition sheepdog? Were there any at the show this year? 
Anybody go to the show yesterday? I didn't. I was doing other things. No? I don't know if it was there, but if you've ever watched a, a competition sheepdog, you know where they're, where they're getting the sheep into, into, um, into the uh, thing, pen. Thank you for the, for the highly technical word there. Um, <laughs> But you watch it, you know, you see that dog, you see the dog, it circles the sheep, you see its eyes are never off the sheep, are they? It's nipping at the heels of those rebellious sheep that don't want to go, and it's always watching them, it's always manoeuvring them, but at the same time, its ears, where are the dog's ears? They're always listening to hear the master, aren't they? And they make some weird noises, those sheepdog people, don't they? their whistles and their cooies and all those noises they make. But he is always waiting to hear the instruction that comes from the master. And when the sheep has it in its enclosure within that pen and the dog is standing, it's the most beautiful picture, I think, of the dog is standing there by his master's side. What you see there is you see a man who is so in love with his dog and you see a dog who is absolutely trust and loves his master unto obedience. You know, it's a beautiful picture, in fact, of the Christian life, you know. The truth is this, while that dog may love rounding up those sheep, it may love the exhilaration of it all, but you know, for the dog, it's never about the competition, is it? He doesn't care whether he gets that blue ribbon or not. It's not about the competition. It's only ever about obeying the master. That's where the dog is in his glory. That's why it's such a beautiful picture to see that proud man standing there with that dog sitting at his side. And that dog is in all his glory. Think about this. Think about this. God knows us completely, right? Doesn't he? He is the one who wrote the manual. And that is why when we obey him, we become all that we are meant to be. We become the dog sitting at our master's side. Look, the competition in life, it's hard, isn't it, sometimes? The struggle in life is hard sometimes. But when we're standing by his side, not in our glory, but basking in his reflected glory. Isn't that right? When it reflects from our lives. I think it's a beautiful picture of the Christian life. That's what Paul says in the next verse 17. But, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you have now become slaves of righteousness. Jesus said this in John's Gospel in the 8th chapter. He says, if you abide in my word, you know this verse? If you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. You shall know the truth. And what's the truth going to do? It's going to make you free. That's what it does. It makes you free. Christian. This is Christianity 101. This is us. There has been an incredible liberation take place. Jesus made you free from the consequences of sin and death. Free to become a slave of righteousness. I remember the slavery, don't you? Don't you remember the slavery of lusts and vanities? Don't you? They were so demanding, weren't they? 
all the time. Don't you love being able to walk outside into this world without having to worry about how you walk, how you talk, and what people think? Because understand, they are, they are slaves out there to those very things whose lives are controlled by the way they have to walk, the way they have to talk, and the way they have to think. It controls their lives, but not you, Christian. No, not you. You are free to choose to follow Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For you, as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness, he's talking about the non-Christian life, and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. We know that, don't we? So now, he says, present your bodies as slaves, your members as slaves unto righteousness. For what? For holiness. This is the call. And this is all I want to say to you this morning. Just as we, Paul sets up a contrast and he invites you to allow your mind to make that contrast. Just as we enthusiastically yielded ourselves, our lives, our thoughts, our actions to sin. Now likewise, he says, I want you, we have a choice in this manner. To totally yield yourself as a slave unto righteousness. As I said last week, this is the difference between you and the non-Christian world. You have a choice. You have a choice. They don't. They're slaves to their sin, not you, Christian. So Paul is basically saying this to us. Don't cheapen what Christ has done for us by now choosing to sin, for by now choosing to justify sin in your life. God has called you to a profound slavery. You're always going to be a slave. Get over it and accept it. You're always going to be a slave. But now a slavery, oh, look, think about what this slavery will do, not only for you but for your families and those that you love. It's a slavery that will free our youth from the destructions of this culture, of drugs and alcohol and all those things. A slavery that will save our marriages from conflict and deceit and, and immorality. A slavery that will set our children in homes growing up with security and affection and boundaries that love them. A slavery that would stop, what's the list? It would stop violence, wouldn't it? You know, a slavery under righteousness and holiness. It's going to stop violence. It's going to stop theft. It's going to stop malice. It's going to stop discrimination. It's going to stop hatred. It's going to stop neglect. It's going to stop rejection and jealousies and selfish ambitions. Puts it all in the grave where it belongs. If only I, if only you, if only we would choose to yield ourselves as instrument in God's hands. Read these last few verses with me. For when you were slaves to sin, he says in verse 20, you were free in regards to righteousness. In other words, before you gave yourself to Christ's righteousness was not an issue for you. You could lie and cheat and carry on, no issue at all. Agreed? No, 
uh, at the same time, no choice at all. But now, no. What fruit, verse 21, did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? That's what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are they of, 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 hum, of blessed are the humble. Blessed are the poverty. First Beatitude, please. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When we realize and we recognize that in and of ourselves there is nothing that we can give that commends us to God, whereby he should or must accept us. There is nothing about us like that. But what's the second beatitude? Blessed are they that mourn. That's what he's talking about there. Not mourning in a woeful regret over people lost, but I'm looking back at a life that was in rebellion to God. And you look at it. And you mourn over that sin. What did he say? What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? That's that mourning. For the end of those things is death, he says. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. And this is the verse we all know so well. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Sin pays a wage. It does. And that wage is death. But Jesus, he pays no wage. Did you notice? He pays no wage because as our new slave master, we can't earn what he's got to give us. It's a free gift of grace. This wonderful salvation, this glorious righteousness, this incredible holiness. You know, I love that song we sang where it talks about he is the anchor of our soul. You know, you gave your life to Christ. You are tethered to the very heart of God. You are tethered to the very holy of holies. He's our anchor. And nothing will ever, ever break that tether. Isn't that glorious? That's that righteousness. That's that holiness. And Hebrews talks about that. What he has given you, you cannot earn. Eternal life is the free gift of God for all those who believe. Isn't that right? For God, let's close with that verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him shall not perish. Love that. But even more importantly, shall have everlasting life. Amen? So now, as that first song we sang, let's live like people who have no chains. Let's live like people who the shackles have been taken away. We're set free unto righteousness. Amen? God bless you. There's your homework again. See, it doesn't change. It's the same homework all the time. All right, thank you, Steve.